Amen. I invite you to remain standing for the reading of our scripture. It comes to us out of the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 18 through 24. Matthew 1, 18 through 24. We hear now these words. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband, Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I invite you to be seated. Let us pray. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, as scripture is read, as word is proclaimed, help us hear with joy what you say to us this day in your name. Amen. Today we continue in our worship series for Advent entitled The Journey, Walking the Road to Bethlehem, a sermon series based on the study of the same name by Reverend Adam Hamilton. Last week we began talking about Mary of Nazareth, and today we moved and we talk about Joseph of Bethlehem. When we look at the events surrounding Jesus' birth, the main focus, as it should be, is, on, is that of the arrival of the Savior. We use Luke's Gospel account the most because it, cont it contains the familiar language we know of the Christmas story, and it's also... Uh, told from the perspective of Mary. She receives a primary focus outside that of Jesus. She is also the, the prominent human figure uh, surrounding Christ because of the virgin birth. Therefore, much time and effort has gone into talking about Mary. But there is one other figure who was present during the entire ordeal of God's arrival into the world that God created. This figure is often forgotten, and where, while there are very few references to him and none outside of the Gospels, no man, man, played a more important role in the life of Jesus than Joseph. Though not Jesus' biological father, Joseph adopted Jesus as his earthly son. Joseph protected him. Joseph provided for him. Joseph taught, he mentored him. And we really think about the night in which Jesus was born with no one else there to help Mary deliver. Joseph is the first human hands that touched the infant body of our Messiah. It was Joseph who Jesus first saw as he emerged from Mary's womb. And it was Joseph who got the first 
glimpse at the face of the hero of all mankind. So who is this Joseph? One of the biggest questions is, how did Joseph come about? Where uh, did, did he come in? How was he chosen as the husband of Mary and the earthly father of Jesus? And to answer honestly, we don't really know for sure. There are two very popular and different accounts to the story. One finds its premise in one of the apocryphal gospels entitled The Infancy Gospel of Thomas. The Infancy Gospel of Thomas. And now, uh, a quick dis disclosure, this is one of the apocryphal writings, and, and what that means is this, the word apocrypha uh, that we see here is often used to describe the collection of non-canonical or, or non-biblical uh, uh, texts, um, and, and it essentially means, uh, the word means obscure or hidden, obscure or hidden. In short, we don't really know if it's true, and the Council of Nicaea, when putting together the Holy Bible, did not have enough confidence in these writings to make it part of the Holy Writings. That makes sense? Are you with me? Shake your head. Yes. Okay. There we are. So, uh, in the infancy Gospel of Thomas, which is claimed to actually be written by James, the brother of Jesus, where he got the name, I don't know, uh, we have the earliest account of uh, Mary's birth, of her childhood, and a particular account of Joseph's age when he married Mary. And this account suggests that Mary was actually raised by priests in the temple court until she was 13 years of age, to which then she came of age, and Joseph was selected through a, a, a very... Uh, popular ceremony uh, as the, the older man who would take care of Mary and to do so in a way that uh, a father would, would care for a daughter or, or a, a grandfather would look after a granddaughter less much as a husband. But he was chosen by the priest to marry Mary. And the main reason this belief was held prominent in the early church and by early pioneers such as Martin Luther and even John Wesley himself was the church's deepening devotion to Mary and namely that she was perpetually a virgin and never consummated her marriage to Joseph. So... The doctrine of perpetual virginity was very popular and very important to pioneers of the early church. And so this version of that story was held very prominently. If we read only the New Testament Gospels of Matthew and of Luke, we wouldn't necessarily think of Joseph as an aging widow, as this account would suggest. The accounts don't preclude this, but they don't suggest it either, okay? Instead, if this was a typical engagement in first century Jewish uh, Palestine and Israel, uh, Mary, we can imagine as being around the age of 13, and Joseph a little bit older, around the age of 15, most likely 16. 
when Matthew 1.24 says he took Mary as his wife. The main point to make here is that we don't know for sure which account is there. Even if you go look at your manger scene sets, some manger scene sets portray Joseph as an older man. Some of them portray him as a younger man. It just depends on if it is Catholic made or Protestant made, typically. And so the thing is, we don't know for sure, but neither is incompatible with Scripture. Are you with me this morning? Say amen. One thing we do know from Scripture, though, is that Jesus, uh, Jesus was that Joseph was a carpenter. Well, Jesus was too, but Joseph was a carpenter. And the Greek word they use here for carpenter is the word tecton. Tecton. And the word tecton was usually reserved to refer to someone who worked with wood. It is likely much, uh, much of the work of a tecton involved building furniture and uh, uh, cedar chests and other types of wooden chests, tables, uh, farm implements would have been probably one of Joseph's main uh, 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 instruments that he built and sold. Also tools and yokes for oxen. He may have also built doors that go on the stone homes they lived in. And to give you an idea of where Joseph and where Tecton is on the social ladder, the Greek word that was used for master builders, who usually were in charge of a team of Tectons, is the word architecton. Does that word sound familiar? That's where we get our word architect. So an architecton was a master builder supervising typically a set of tectons. Are you with me this morning? Say amen. Throughout Matthew, Jesus is described as the son of a tecton. And in Mark, Jesus is referred to as a tecton himself. When Kate and I visited the Holy Land, uh, visited a, a factory there that was... Uh, that made elaborate carvings out of olive wood. They included specific details all the way down to the fingernails of the characters that were being carved. To be a great tecton like these, like the ones that we saw in the Holy Land, and undoubtedly like Joseph was, requires patience, focus, diligence, and drive, and also the willingness to do the job right the first time. All of which are needed to be a great tecton and translate well into being a humble man, a humble servant, and a humble father. So the question is, what does it tell us about God that he would choose Joseph to serve as Jesus' earthly father and raise him as his own son. Why didn't God choose a priest, a lawyer, a scribe, an architect? Why did he entrust the job to a humble carpenter? Just like with Mary, once more, we find that God tends to choose and to use people who seem insignificant and whose lives and spirits reflect true humility. 
You know, one of my favorite after-school shows to watch growing up, and I don't know if it's still playing or not, was the Maury Povich show. <laughs> Anybody else? <laughs> By your laughter, you are probably familiar with the Maury show. And they would have some most interesting guests on that show. And one type of show they would do was paternity test shows. And... Um, you know, the, the, the famous line, Maury is famous for saying, such and such, you are the father. And the crowd would go, wow. And people would make such fools of themselves. Perfect show for you there, Roy. <laughs> you know, the beginning story of Mary and Joseph and Jesus begins with a scandal. Not unlike one you would probably find on the Maury show. Mary became pregnant, and Joseph, the man she was engaged to, was not the father. So the first question is this. How do you tell your fiancé you are pregnant with someone else's child and by the way, I've never been unfaithful to you. And the way I became with child was through the Holy Spirit. And just like Joseph, I don't think I would buy it either. I just wouldn't. It doesn't seem likely. Mary, who was likely accompanied by Elizabeth, and that's a, a tale for a different story, told Joseph that a messenger from God had appeared to her announcing that she was to have a child. The messenger had told Mary she would become pregnant through the work of the Holy Spirit. That may have been exactly what Mary said, but I, I doubt seriously that is not what Joseph heard. Marriages were often arranged by the parents in this time, years in advance. And, and it was typically a, a handshake-like agreement, okay? Uh, when, when, when the girl entered puberty, the arrangement became a formal engagement. The ceremony usually followed one to two years after the formal engagement. And uh, then they would have a ceremony, and then they would have to wait a year before the husband and wife could move in together. And this year waiting period before the wife and the husband could be together is where Joseph and Mary are in the wedding process. Are you with me this morning? You got that? Okay, good deal. We read in Matthew 1.19 that, that Joseph, quote, was a righteous man, by which Matthew may have intended us to know that, that Joseph would not condone adultery. Matthew may also have used the phrase to reference to the next line that says, because he didn't want to humiliate her, he decided to call off their engagement quietly. Clearly, Joseph did not believe Mary's story. Hello, who would? That she had conceived supernaturally by the Holy Spirit, and it makes sense to not believe it, so don't blame Joseph, y'all. The normal response to this situation in the first century was to call off the wedding, which would have publicly named Mary as an adulteress, and she would have been at the risk of being stoned to death in the city center by Jewish law that we find in Deuteronomy. Joseph did not want that, for Matthew describes him as a righteous man. Even though undoubtedly heartbroken, and we can understand that, he showed mercy to Mary. 
And that's where the comment about divorcing her quietly comes in. This likely meant that he would, uh, he would say he changed his mind about the marriage, never mentioning the pregnancy. Then as it became evident that Mary was pregnant, which it would eventually be evident, people would assume that Joseph was the father and that he was the one with the change of heart. Therefore, he, not Mary, would be the one to be seen as the dishonorable party. He would take all the blame upon himself and leave Mary with the ability to live on, perhaps be taken back in by her parents, where they would help her raise the child. That was Joseph's thought. A righteous man. A man of utmost humility and mercy. Think about the picture that Matthew reveals of Joseph here. Joseph was undoubtedly heartbroken. We've already discussed that. This was not a journey that he ever planned to take. Have you ever felt that life was throwing you curveballs that you just weren't ready to hit? If baseball's not your reference, then do you ever feel like that life gives you situations that you just don't feel like you're ready to handle? That you may never feel like you're ready to handle? Hear this. If you hear nothing else today, hear this. At this precise instant, when Joseph felt his lowest, God was at work in Mary's womb doing the greatest thing God had done in the history of humanity. God was not only orchestrating the birth of our Savior, but was inviting Joseph to play one of the most pivotal roles in history. If there's one thing that I've noticed, and perhaps you have too, is that God has always taken the pain, the disappointment, the heartache, that we encounter in this life and uses it in profound ways that I can only see and understand in hindsight. Have you ever noticed that? We don't know why it's happening now, but later we can see the good that God does with it. Today when I face moments of profound disappointment and journeys that I don't want to take, I turn them over to God. I invite God in, and I remind myself to the words of my favorite scripture of all time, the one that I know keeps me going, and perhaps you as well, the one out of Romans 8.28 that says, All things work together for good who love God and who are called according to his purpose. We give it to God. It's what God does. It is who God is. God works on our behalves in the background for us, fighting for us, doing things for us that we can never imagine possible. As I look back over my life, and I invite you to look back over yours, we are likely to find that many of our best qualities may well have come from those 
painful experiences that, that have been redeemed by a God who makes beautiful things out of dust and who loves us more than all of the drops in the oceans or all the stars in the sky. And despite our yesterday, a God who works in our today and a God who will always hold our tomorrow. That's the God that we serve. And that leads me to wonder then, how many more times as Jesus was growing up did he see these same attributes in Joseph? How often did he watch Joseph show mercy to someone who wronged him? How often was uh, was Joseph gracious to those who hurt him? How often was he the image of forgiveness? Is it any surprise that Jesus became the man who showed mercy to sinners? Who, who taught his disciples to forgive and who called us to love our enemies? Yes, we know that Jesus was God in the flesh, but but we also have to believe a little bit of that came from witnessing his earthly father and the way that he lived. Any mistake that while he was even hanging on a cross, Jesus cried out, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Even into death, Jesus was loving us. How then are we showing mercy? How are we showing grace and forgiveness? And how are we allowing God to work in us? How are we allowing God to work through us? And how are we allowing God to work despite us? And how are we going to allow God to move through the darkest moments that we encounter in our lives so that God's purposes can be revealed and work to the good of what God has in store for us. Folks, this is the gospel message. Joseph didn't know what was happening, but whenever he heard the voice of God in that dream, he knew that God was taking care of it. We have the same assurance today. That we serve a God who loves us so much that he would come to this world, live and be born of our world. He would die our death. He would conquer our death. He would ascend into heaven because we mean that much and we are that loved. So let us then depart from this place and go and be the humble servant that Joseph represented and that Jesus so well displayed for all of us. That is the gospel message and that is part of what Advent is all about. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.